Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. When we talk about anointing, we talk about it representing so many aspects of what we do. And I wanted to start Psalm 133. says that how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is, is, it, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on, the, on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows or commands his blessing, even life forevermore. So we start with anointing flows in a culture of unity. There's a difference between unity and uniformity. We're not all called to be the same. We're all gloriously, wonderfully, beautifully different. But there is a unity that comes through and by the Spirit. And, and in fact, uh, the psalmist says here that when, when uh, the, we dwell together, when God's people live together in unity, God commands, God bestows a blessing, even life, forevermore. There is something powerful that happens when we come together. That's why it's important that we understand that when we gather as church, we're not just people gathering to an event. It's not like we're going to the theater or we're going to a concert. It's, it's a different thing. The body of Christ, when we gather, it is, it is different. There is a different dynamic. And, and, and the Bible is encouraging us that when we come together and we find a place of unity, that, that God commands a blessing on that. It's a supernatural unity. I mean, I'm not being funny, but the, the only way I'm going to spend some time with some of you is because of Jesus. You know what I mean? I know you're like too holy and everything to admit it, but honestly, I found myself in some rooms where I think, my God, if it wasn't for Jesus, I would not be here right now. But, but Jesus has done something in me. He's done something in my heart that, 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 that goes beyond even my personal preference. Do you know what I mean? It's, of course, in my humanity, God is wired as, God is wired as in different ways. And there are going to always be people who we get on with, of course. And there are going to be other people who are more challenging. Sometimes God wants to bless us through people who are more challenging. Yeah, okay, I'm going to move on because I'm gonna, I've prayed against the spirit of distraction. I feel maybe introducing one into the, the room. But, but I want us to understand something. Um, and, you know, anointing, anointing flows down. Now, 
Hey, we, we, we're dealing with some very challenging concepts here. We're using picture language. And the best we can hope for is to say, it, it's not this, but it's like it. That when we talk about the anointing, we're saying it's not this, but it's like it. And, and we get this picture, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down to the collar of his robe, right down to his skirts, right down to the lower garments. And, and we, what we understand is that there is an anointing that can flow all the way down, undiluted, in fact, this oil would have been fragrant oil, so it would have been undiluted and fragrant. So as, as powerful as it was at the top, it is at the skirts. It is right at the bottom. And it's a picture to help us to understand that anointing flows down. Now, we understand that we are mixing and matching an Old um, Testament picture of a New Testament reality. So we expressed last week and explained that the Old Testament picture that was some people were anointed with oil to express that they had been chosen. They were separated to, unto the Lord. But, but we understand that the New Testament picture is we're all chosen through and by the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit. The oil, the physical oil in the Old Testament represents the Spirit in the new. And, and, and through the death and resurrection of Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, when I, I can expect as a follower of Jesus, someone who has uh, believed that Jesus died for me and rose again, and I've, I've confessed that he's my Lord and Savior, that I can believe for the Spirit of God to flow through my life. And that is an anointing that is available to each and every one of us. But if I can take the picture, therefore, of the oil flowing down, we need to understand that if I want to be anointed, I have to get under the flow. If I want to catch what's flowing down, I've got to get under the flow. You see, we, 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 live in, we live in a day and age where, you know, individualism is key. And, and, and what we believe encompasses and marries those concepts. It celebrates our individuality and recognizes that none of us can make it on our own. We need each other. We're going to talk a little bit about that in... A moment. So there is, there is a, a place where I have to understand that, that I am called by God, that God is, you know, God has called me even from my mother's womb. He called you even from your mother's womb. He has a plan for your life. All the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them came to be. God has an incredible plan. But the only way that plan can be realized in our work is if you are in association with someone some others. It's to do with alignment. It's to do with alignment. And, I, you know, the, it's, we live in a day and age where people, you know, they've got their ministry and they've got their call and they're out there on their own trying to make this come to happen. You need to understand you've got to be part of something. That's why I start by talking about us being a body. 
We're part of a body. I feel like I could preach just on this point, just on this one point, because it's not, we're called to a body, to a body, to be a body. I believe in a God of miracles. I believe in a God who, who will powerfully and dramatically uh, change your life for good. I believe that I should come, be able to come to the house of God and engage with the presence of God and the Spirit of God and be impacted by that. But I also believe that I should come to the house of God and be a blessing. I don't just come to get my blessing, to get my word, to get my worship, to get what I need. Because part of what I need is released in what I give. So it's what I bring to the party that will release the blessing of God. And it's to do with alignment. It's to do with aligning with the flow. It's to do with what God is doing. This is not to do, every single one of us is called. Every single one of us is precious. Every one of us in this room is of equal value to God. And as I was saying a moment, we're all called to do something, but we're not all called to do the same thing. Getting a bit ahead of myself. There's a great scripture in, uh, you know, as Christmas, Christmas comes on the horizon, but um, Matthew 2, it's cold, eh? Yo, you can tell. Is anyone else? Not in here now, although I'm a bit chilly, but, you know, uh, yesterday I thought, wow, what is going on? I've still got those memories of summer. I'm still, still trying to hang on to. But in Matthew 9, I love it in the message version, it talks about, when the king set off to, to see the star, they, they, they'd seen a star, the same star they'd seen in the eastern skies, and it led them on until it hovered over the place of the child, Jesus, and they could hardly contain themselves. Love this. They were in the right place. They'd arrived at the right time. By aligning themselves with what God was doing, they found themselves in the right place at the right time. They were supernaturally led to that point. And whilst, you know, I believe that for every one of us, God has called us, God has chosen us, God has got something unique for us. He's got something new, uniquely available to each one of us as individuals, but something corporately. I am a called man. My wife is a called woman. We were both called when we met each other. But now it's no longer about me and it's no longer about her because we're married to each other. So it's about us. And God isn't going to ask me to do something that he isn't going to also bring her along on the journey and vice versa. And God has sometimes complicated that because he's spoken to me about things before he's spoken to her about things. And we've had some interesting conversations along the way. You know, um, sometimes when I say, my darling, my, the Lord has spoken to me and I feel we should go yonder. And in my mind, I, I see it going, yes, my husband, whatever, <laughs> whatever your will is my command. Actually, I never see it going like that. But as I remember very clearly, 
uh, I went to say to her, the Lord spoken to me, and her famous words were, well, you'll have to speak to me about it first. <laughs> so, moving swiftly on. We have to align ourselves to what God is doing. This is what, I wish I had time, because you see, it goes so much beyond preference, whether, whether you know, at the end of the day, listen, there is no perfect churches anywhere. If you're wondering if this is, let me just solve it right now. It's not. And you know how I know it's not? You're here. Because even if it was perfect, you would have arrived, arrived and messed it up. Because none of us are perfect. And, and that is the wonder of church, is imperfect people coming together to form a body. God has chosen the church of Jesus Christ as an imperfect gathering to represent His Son, Jesus Christ, on the earth. I need to crack on, but you see, everyone who is called must first be faithful in that which is another person's. I'm going to say that again, because in modern church, we don't get this. But you can't microwave the promises of God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we need to understand that if you feel called by God, if, I don't care how anointed you are, I don't care how talented you are, if you are called by God and you really wanna see that do something in your life, you must be faithful in that which is another person's, like Elisha to Elijah, like Ruth to Naomi, like Joshua to Moses, like Timothy to Paul. You've gotta be faithful in that which is another persons and you say I'm anointed mm -hmm. yeah absolutely anointed but if you want that anointing to work you've got to align yourself and you could waste years trying to prove me wrong because it ain't me is what the Bible shows us over and over and over again that the anointing flows down. And if you want to see your life released in the power and anointing of God, then you need to make sure you're aligned. I haven't got time to say more about that. The anointing flows. We've had the anointing flows in a culture of unity. The anointing flows down. The anointing flows where there is honor. Matthew 13, verse Verses 53 to 58. Let me read this. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. And coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? They asked. Wait a minute. That might not be in your version, but it might as well be there. Wait a minute. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Isn't, isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. 
And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. That's wow. May may not be the wow we're talking about, but that is wow. You see, when they honored what what God was doing, they were amazed and were wowed. But when they stumbled over what they knew about him, the familiar, they took offense. So when they looked at the God bit, they were like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. How does this man, how does this man carry this? Then they went, wait a minute, we know his family. Who, basically, who the hell does he think he is? Come in here telling us what to do. The, the journey from amazement to offense is the lack of honor. And it's a very short journey. As we have seen, they went from amazement to offense in a heartbeat. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. It's, it's the place of familiarity. It's the place, we, we know you, bro. We see you. We see you every week. We see what you are. We see what you aren't. I think in the, the vision booklet, it, it, it talks about uh, it's a Bill, uh, Bill Johnson quote about the fact that we, we honor what God is doing without stumbling over who you are. It's something like that. I've just misquoted the quote, but it's something like that. It's, it's we, see, we honor the God bit. And we, we know that for God to move, you don't have to be perfect because that's the grace. That is the, that is the God bit. What is incredible is that even God, even God, the God who can do anything, the God who can do everything, even God was restricted by the power of their unbelief. You know, in the very place Actually, in the very place where Jesus should have been able to do the most, in his hometown, in in the very place, that was where he was able to do the least. Let me say this, you know, it's an interesting thing. Thankfully, um, presently, I don't, get much opportunity to go and preach out, and that's because I don't want to. It's also because I don't get many invitations, but that is beside, that's beside the point. I'm just like, putting that to one side, you know what I mean? But the point that I want to make is that, you know, oftentimes when you go out, you can be celebrated more because people welcome you as the man of God. Do, Do you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and because of the recognition of the anointing you're carrying, often things are released because of the faith that's in the room. Because as powerful as unbelief is, that's our faith. You know, faith is even more powerful. And if faith is being released in the, the room, then the, 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 the miraculous is also unleashed. So 
it's, it's like we, we also... We also have opportunity to buy into a model. So we've got work to do. We've got work to do here because I don't believe that I need to be going preaching in other churches to see the anointing released. I believe that, you know, and we thank God. I'm so grateful for what happens here time and time again. But what we need to understand is that we've, we've got work to do and that is to get over our humanity, get over our familiarity and recognize what God is doing. Not, our, not get ourselves into the place where, wait a minute, this is amazing, it's anointing. And then find ourselves robbed because, wait, we know him. Ah, it's only him. It's only him. And then we rob ourselves of what God is trying to do in our life. Essentially, because of the lack of honor, in this instance, the miraculous was stifled. And I know people because people stop me and they say, hey, you know, come on, pastor, we're believing for miracles. We're believing for God to do, to, to move like he used to. We're believing for it. Little realizing that we have a part to play in that. If we want to see the miraculous release, then, then it's, it's, it's not a perfect science, but it's about each of us turning up with a heart and attitude that says, God, we choose to honor what you are doing without being stumbled over what we don't understand or what is familiar. And we believe that as we come in faith, we're going to see you move in a great way. Creating an environment of honor releases the anointing and an atmosphere for miracles. And we know that's true because we've just seen the opposite. Creating an environment of honor releases the anointing and an atmosphere for miracles. I, I, just, I could do a week on each of these sections. I haven't even got time to talk to you about the fact that some of you know your Bible as well. Well, no stories, times when Jesus didn't take all his disciples with him. He took Peter, James, and John. Why did he choose those guys? He chose those guys because he knew that those guys believed he was who he was. Even foot in your mouth, Peter, fumbling Peter, even he knew he was the Christ, the son of the living God. He, he got it. He wasn't perfect. He, he, was, he had this ability to mess up incredibly, but he knew, and, and that's why he got in the room, because he recognized what was on Jesus. And when, when he, whenever he, he uh, took those guys, it was because the miraculous was about to be released, and he needed the right people in the room, because it was in the environment of honor that the anointing was released and an atmosphere for miracles. And let me bring it right down to us and help us understand that it's our desire to honor that is behind our heart for six-star service. Because we want to honor people. We want to honor those God honors. When when we seek to do things excellently, it's because we want people to feel valued. It's not, not that this in itself would be a wrong thing, but you know, someone once 
said to me in some environment, oh, you're only doing that stuff because you want to be like the corporates, the big corporates. I thought, gosh, how wrong? How wrong could you be? Not that that would be a poor motivation, because the truth is, that's the world we're competing in. We're competing in a world that so often knows how to do things more excellently than the church. I don't believe that's the way it should be. I think that we should be leading the world in what excellence is. That's why I talk about six-star service. Six-star service is a five-star service if you've got the money. If you've got the money, just for decent, a decent meal and a bed for the night, We'll give you great service. So I say six star because we should be better than the world. And you don't have to turn up with money. Just because of who you are, we want to bless you. We want to give you an excellent experience. That's why we do what we do with the toilets. When you go to the toilet here, it's like, oh. When we, when we first came here, they were bringing in the KMC cleaners to look at what we'd done with the toilets. They were saying to each other, that's for me, that is, that's how it works. You say, well, what, really, Malcolm, what are the toilets got to do with it? You know, we just, we all need the toilet. You know what I mean? We don't need to make such a big fuss. It's not about that. It's about the way it makes you feel, that you feel valued. Our problem is for those who come week in, week out, we just get used to it. We get used to it. We don't see it anymore. But, but we're not just doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for people who are coming. They're going, wow, what is it? Why would they go to so much trouble with the toilets? Why would they go to so much trouble with the way they serve coffee? Why would they go to, why, why, why? Well, it's because we're seeking to honor people. We want them to feel valued. And when we do this, we believe we're expressing the heart of God. It's not, oh, come in, it'll do. It's all right. It's all right, we'll be, we'll be fine. I don't know what all the fuss is about. Just don't worry about me. No, it's not about that. It's about representing the heart of God. And I believe that if the world can do that for a bed for a night and a decent meal, we should be doing it for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Whoever you are, whether you've got money or not, you're gonna come in here and you're gonna be treated well. And you're going to be treated well even if you don't treat us well. We intentionally want people to come and feel that they are valued by the environments we create. I understand that not everyone's going to love what we do and how we do it. I get that. But we've got to be authentic to what the Lord is asking us to do. And I know some people are going to struggle with this, but the truth is, the truth is this. If you don't love what we do here, there are plenty of great churches you could go to. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's like we're not the only thing. We're not, only, we're not the only thing on the, on the street. We, I, we, we, want, we want everyone to be here. We want to be a welcoming environment, but if we're not your cup of tea, we get that. We serve fish. You want to eat steak. You know, it's like, hey, we could warm you up a hamburger maybe, I don't know. But we, that's not what we serve. So we've got to be authentic to what God is asking us to do. But, we, but everybody who comes here, 
We're going to do our best. Imperfect people having to go, all that, but we are going to do our best to make you feel that you're valued, that you're important, that you want to be here. And we're going we're gonna to seek to bring you into an environment where you're going to engage with God, where you're going to hear something from God in something that happens during the course of the service. It may be the preaching, it might not be the preaching, but it's because we want to bless you. We want to serve you. We, our view of doing church is that we are here for you. But then, of course, we're also a body. So we're here for each other. Because in our day and age, this has a, it has a problem of flipping itself because the moment we talk about service, you know, then people start forgetting that we're family and a body and start saying, well, they talk about six-star service. Well, let me tell you, I had to park right down the road. You know, like, I don't know, they talk about six-star service, but that coffee didn't taste that great today. It's, it's not about that. We're not going to get it perfect all the time. We're going to do our best to be as excellent as we can be with the resources that we've got. Whether Whatever room we set up, whatever environment, we're going to set it up in such a way that you're going to feel blessed. Why? Because Jesus, when he created wine, he didn't just, he didn't just make any old wine. He made the best wine. You understand? He made the best wine. Jesus' miracle wine was the best wine. He could have made any old wine and it would have been just as much a miracle because he'd taken water and he turned it into wine and it would have been like, whoa! But it wasn't just wine. It was the best wine. And I believe that we should be doing the best with what we have to bless those around us. Let me take you to the book of Exodus, Exodus 17. This incredible story of the Amalekites that came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to, to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Mo Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So this account helps us understand honoring the anointing. Everyone being in alignment saw a supernatural power released. Everyone had a specific role and position. Moses on the mountain, Joshua in the valley. As we heard, as long as Moses' hands were raised, the Israelites were winning. Whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. 
when Moses held his position before God on the mountain, Joshua was winning the battle in the valley. When he got tired and lowered his hands, Joshua and the army started to lose. I want us to understand, Joshua was willing to fight in the valley, but it wasn't enough. Moses was willing to take up his position on the mountain with his hands raised, but it wasn't enough. I don't know, honestly, I, I don't know why the same God who can cause the supernatural connection between what is going on on the mountain and what is going on on the valley, it, it blows my mind to understand, well, why doesn't this same God then supernaturally strengthen Moses' hands? I mean, God can do that. He promises he will. He will supernaturally strengthen us. But we read this account that Aaron and Hur noticed that Moses was getting tired and his tiredness was causing them to lose. And he says, they took a stone and put it under him. They held up his hands and Joshua overcame the Amalekites. I want to say that why I love this is it, it, it would seem that no matter how anointed you are, you can still get tired. And that tiredness can cause you to lose. I just feel a little whisper of the Spirit there to say that again. Tiredness can cause you to lose. When you get tired, you get in the wrong headspace. You develop wrong attitudes. It influences your heart. God does not want us to be carrying that level of tired. We need to understand that the anointing does not make us superhuman. You still get tired. Instead of God supernaturally strengthening Moses' hands, he caused Aaron and her to notice, oh my God. Oh my God, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about some things where God wants to move. But let me tell you, that was a Holy Ghost moment right there. It's just a tiny thing. It's just a, a word. But, but God caused them to notice. They, 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 but we don't read that Moses says, hey, lads, have you noticed this? Look what's going on. Look, watch, 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 watch. No, no, Moses never said anything. Moses never said anything, but, but they noticed. And then it said they, they not only noticed, because it's one thing to notice. It's quite another to do something about it. It's like, yeah, oh, God, he's getting tired, eh? God bless him. But they didn't just say, oh, bless him. They got a stone and they shoved it under him and they, they, held, they, they took up their place. And I want us to understand something, that, that Joshua was a great man of God and Moses was a great man of God, but they, what they carried was not enough because without Aaron and her, the battle could not have been won. Without someone to notice. 
And I know you think that Joshua and Moses are the stars of the show, but I want you to understand, I know that Aaron and her are the stars of the show because without them noticing and doing something about it, then, then nothing, they, none of them could have won. And at the end of the day, God got the glory because it wasn't about Moses and it wasn't about Joshua and it wasn't even about Aaron and her because they all needed each other to see the victory. Everyone played their part. See, the anointing sets us apart for service. We've all got a role to play. The anointing isn't just about a goosebump moment in the service. It's not just about a shiver down your spine. It's not just about, oh, bless the Lord. It's anointed for service. Romans 12, verse 6 to 8 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've declared him to be your Lord and Savior, you are anointed to do something. But we're not anointed to do the same thing. I think some Christians, they come to that list and say, hmm, that's nice. Don't think, don't think. Like, they come to it like a menu, you know. Well, I'm not, not feeling like serving today. What do you think about teaching? Do you fancy teaching? I don't know. I tried that. It didn't, mm, last time it didn't work for me. You know what I'm going to do? Um... I'm going to try this prophesying thing. That's why I'm going to try. Um, it's not that I pick a gift from the menu. You don't get to choose. You get chosen. The Holy Spirit decides who and how he will anoint. So, it says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We are given a grace. We don't get to choose, we get chosen. The Holy Spirit decides who and how he will anoint. And the gifts are for service, not to make you a star on TBN. They're for service, to serve. And they work anywhere. They don't just work in the service. They work in the atrium and they work in the office and they work in Asda or Sainsbury's or as you're walking down the street in the lecture hall in the classroom. They work anywhere because they are gifts given through and by the Holy Spirit. And it's not that, you know, that now I'm locked in on something. You know what? 
I'd love to help serve, but I'm called to prophesy. We each have our gifts, and that is mine. No, because we're all called to serve. What? We're all called to serve. Because that's what a body does. That's what family does. Being part of a family, being part of a body means that I serve. I take responsibility. I do my part in some way or another. We're not all called to do the same thing, but we're all called to do something. Galatians 5 verse 13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, don't do whatever you want to do. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So the Holy Spirit will give each one of us a particular gift to serve or to prophesy, or to lead. That is one of the ways we serve. We're all called to serve, but some people, they will just, they will just have a particular grace for that. I, I would love, to, if I had time, to talk about the fact that we talk about the Ephesians 4 giftings, and, and, and it's often these people, you get in their slipstream. When you find someone carrying anointing to serve, you, there's just something happens when you get around them. You find yourself wanting to serve. It's like when you get around someone who's generous, you find yourself being more generous than you ordinarily would. Then you regret it later. No. But it's like being, sometimes being around someone's slipstream, it releases something in us. That's because we're not, we shouldn't be, we're not just people who go to church. We are the church. The church is a body of people all linked through the Holy Spirit. And the, the Apostle Paul uses the physical body as an illustration of a spiritual reality. What he, he talks about as being a body, I haven't got time to go into this, but he talks about as being a body and he talks about that every part of the body has a function. It has a part to play. And that, that the most important parts of the body are hidden. Your heart, your brain, the things that essentially keep you on the planet are hidden. They're not seen. But imagine, you're not going to make it without them functioning. Your hands get celebrated, your feet get celebrated, your legs get celebrated. Everything that we see gets celebrated, but it's the stuff that happens behind the scenes that make you essentially alive and well and on the planet. It's the things, it's the hidden things that are powerful in our life. It's not just, stuff that's, it's not just the stuff we see. It's the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that are really key. It's not the stuff we think we know about you that is the most important. It's what is actually true. And we know that God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks 
at the heart, which is essentially what happened when I bring you back to that first picture you had of Samuel. Didn't Pastor Wayne Raper make an incredible Samuel? I, I thought that he actually was going to walk around in that robe for a couple of weeks, you know what I mean? He could really rock it. He could rock that robe. But we, 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 we saw that in, 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 in the, he, he was the voice as well. He was the voice on the, the, the film. He was, he was very good. <laughs> the point that I want to make is that in that, he said that the Samuel arose, the man of God, the anointed one says, sorry, Eliab. Eliab was Mr. Honk. He was the poster guy. He looked incredible. He was... I won't do that because I'm not really doing it justice. But he was like, he was the man. He was the, oh, and, and, and he said, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And God says, mm. don't look at the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And in fact, the person who you need right now isn't even here right now. But I've seen. I know him and I've seen. God does not choose people according to the world's standards. The anointing, the anointing David received was actually a physical manifestation of what God had already done in the spirit. All that happened in that moment when Samuel anointed him was that something happened in public which had already happened in private. God had already chosen him. But now God chose a moment to reveal what he'd already decided to do. And even though man tried to overlook David, the Spirit of God ensured that he would not be overlooked. You do not have to worry about being overlooked. But you need to understand that it's not the public version of you you need to worry about. It's the private version of you. Because that's the bit that God's looking at. And it's the, what happens in private that validates what happens in public. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.